All right, I want to just pray briefly again before we get into this tonight. So pray with me. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your word, God, and your desire to communicate to us. And right now we ask, Lord, that you would breathe upon your word tonight, God, that you would open the eyes of our hearts, God, that you would give us to greater degrees a spirit of wisdom and revelation unto a knowledge of you, God. Lord, would you awaken us afresh tonight? We would see the glory of who you are, God, and what you have done, God, and what you are calling us to, God. Without your spirit, this is nothing, God. Without your spirit, we have no understanding, God. But we ask that you would fill us with your spirit afresh this evening, God. We love you, God. We look to you. We thank you and we praise you, God. We ask these things all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. Tonight, I am going to be speaking on something that, something I'm fairly passionate about. And that is, it's not hockey, unfortunately. No, I, I won't be hockey tonight. I'll have to say that for another time. Uh, but tonight, I'm going to talk about the ministry of praise. Ministry of Praise. And it's probably a good thing that I'm passionate about this ministry because I've been given the honor of, of leading the praise team at the church here and, and the privilege of doing that and leading you, God's people here at New Philly, into his presence through praise on a, on a consistent basis. So we're going to press into this ministry of praise for a bit this evening. And... I have to confess that when I was, when I was growing up, when I was young, I had very little interest in praising God. It was, it was kind of strange. When I grew up, I, I had a love for the Bible, I had a love for the Word. I grew up in the church, I grew up in a Christian family, and I went to Sunday school every week, and I would love the, the narrative stories in the Old Testament of people like you know, Abraham and people like Moses and Joshua and, and King David, you know, and, and the, the exploits they had and the faith they had pursuing God and, and the wars they fought and that sort of thing. And that, that really came alive to me as a kid. I really loved that. It, it's, it really spoke to me. And when I got a bit older, when I got to like middle school and high school, I started getting more into, more into the gospel and into... Paul's letters, and God was communicating to me through that. But when I get to the book of Psalms, I was, I was honestly, I was like at a loss. I'm like, I, I did not understand what was going on in the book of Psalms. Because when you look at the book of Psalms, it's like over and over and over again, you have these statements like, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, Exalt the Lord, extol his name, praise the Lord, bless the Lord, O my soul, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, he is good, his love endures forever, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul, bless the Lord, O my soul, praise the Lord. And it goes on and on and on. That's the book of Psalms. That's essentially what's going on. I mean, there's other things going on there too, but that's, that's the foundation of what's going on in the book of Psalms. And I would read that growing up and I would think, why? You know, what, what is, I, I mean, I, I get it already. I just like one, one time is enough, right? 
Praise, praise the Lord, right? Why, why do we keep doing this over and over again? Is, you know, does God do this so that he feels better? Does he need this somehow? What, what's going on? I just did not understand it. I didn't understand why, and I didn't understand what was happening in it and what the purpose of it was, really. Until I, I went to college and God began to warm my heart to his love. And I started to be awakened in that way and, and learn some really valuable things about praise. And God's continued to bring me along on this journey in praise. And you might, you might have wondered that along the way as well. Why, why do we praise God? And what's actually happening when we praise God, really. Because I think like when we get into that place of praise, we generally, like often we're, we feel a lot of things in that place of praise, right? You might feel like a warmth when you're praising God, right? Or you might feel encouragement or joy or hope, right? And, and in that place of praise, you often, you see things, in God, that you wouldn't see in other circumstances, other atmospheres or environments. And you hear things from God that you don't hear often in other places. Something's going on in the place of praise. And the question tonight is, is what is that? What's going on in the place of praise? The question of why we praise God, which was one thing that, that really confused me when I was a kid, that, I think the, the best, clearest most concise answer to that question, why do we praise God? Simply because he is worthy of all praise at all times. He is God. He is perfectly worthy of all of our praise. It is the most natural thing in the world. When someone is awakened to who God is and what he has done, the most natural thing in the world is to praise him because he is fully worthy. He does not change. Praise doesn't depend on us. It's all about God. He never changes. In every circumstance, in every season of life, he is worthy of our praise. And that's why we praise him. But the question of what's actually happening when we praise God is a question I want to press into a bit more tonight. There are two things, two things that are essentially, I believe, that are happening when we praise God. That two things, I'll stick with that. And we're going to press into one of those things. The first thing that's happening when we praise God is that we're beginning to see things rightly. We start to see things with the eyes of faith. We're declaring the truth of who God is. We're declaring the truth of what he's done. We're declaring his ability to help us in every situation. We're seeing things with the eyes of faith. We're seeing things rightly. That's one thing that's going on when we begin to praise the Lord. And the other thing, which is just a simple principle taught in Scripture, we're going to look at right now. I want you all to turn to Psalm 22 in your Bibles. Psalm 22. And we are going to look just at verse 3. I'll be reading from the ESV tonight, as per usual. It says this in verse 3, Yet you are holy, this is David referring to God, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. 
Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. It's a very interesting statement. And it's one that's not clearly made so often in Scripture. It's not even the main point of this psalm. That's not really what this psalm is about. But David takes a step back from what he's talking about in the psalm, and he makes this statement, and I think it's a really important one for the church to understand. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. What does that mean, enthroned on the praises of Israel? Other translations say, yet you are holy, and you inhabit the praises of Israel. You inhabit them. You are enthroned upon them. What David is saying in this psalm, he's saying that when you praise God, God makes himself manifest in that praise. That God begins to fill that praise with his presence. That's what's going on when you praise the Lord. And let me tell you, when when you get into a place where God is manifesting his presence, everything is going to change. When you step inside a place of God's manifest presence, and there are degrees of the manifestation of God's presence, but when you step inside that place, things are going to change. That's just going to be the natural outwork and the natural response to that place. Okay? Simple principle from scripture. When we praise God, God manifests himself in that praise. We got that? All right. And so we're going to actually look at three different ways in which that works itself out. God's manifestation through praise. What does that mean for us? If God manifests himself, he draws near to us, what's naturally going to happen? I'm going to look at three different things briefly here tonight. First one is this. When God or where God manifests his presence... He fights for his people. Where God manifests his presence, he fights for his people. We're going to turn to 2 Chronicles 20. You can turn your Bibles there. We're going to do some flipping in the Bible today. Move around a fair bit. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And this is... Probably one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. I love this story. I've loved it for a long time. Second Chronicles 20. And uh, we're not going to read the whole thing. We're going to start in verse 20 in a bit. But just to give you a bit of background to this passage, what's going on here is that this is a time when Judah, the kingdom of Judah, is ruled by a man named King Jehoshaphat. And he's a good king. He's done a lot of things that have been really good for the nation of Judah. He's been cleaning out the nation of idols and and the high places. He's been tearing down Asherah poles and these different places where people are worshiping false gods. And he's been setting the country straight. He's been organizing his people. He's been doing a lot of good things, bringing them back to the law of God. Good things are going on this time in Judah. Okay? And what happens along the way is that These three nations, Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir, three opposing nations nearby the nation of Judah, they decide they're going to get together and they're going to attack Judah. And they're going to destroy Jerusalem. They want to get to Jerusalem and and siege that city. And these three nations together, 
make a massive army, a huge army that is way too big in the natural for the nation of Judah to defend against. There's no possible way in the natural that they're going to be able to defend against this oncoming army consisting of three different nations. Okay? So the word of this gets to Jehoshaphat. He hears about it. He's a little bit afraid. It's very natural. He's thinking, this is not good. We need to do something about this. And being a man of God, he calls the whole nation together for a prayer meeting. Okay? It says the whole nation comes together. They're going to pray because they've got nothing else. They've got no hope in the world. And I love this. In his prayer, this is a great prayer. We're not going to spend time in it. But if you look at just briefly, verse 12. The second half of verse 12, Jehoshaphat, he ends his prayer with this. He says, For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And that's his heart set before the Lord, before his people. He's the king of this nation. He's saying, God, we don't know what we're doing here. We don't have any chance, but we're trusting in you. Our hope is fully set on you. Okay, so in that place... They're trusting the Lord. And then God raises up a prophet, his name is Jehaziel. And he speaks in front of the whole nation. And he says, the Lord's given me a word. We're going to be okay. God is going to fight this battle for us. Okay? The people's hope rise up. And I'm going to pick things up now at verse 20. Follow along with me. Uh, it says, and they rose early in the morning. So and Jehoshaphat actually is told by the prophet that they're going to meet this army in battle. They're going to actually go out and, and do this, but God's going to fight for them. It says in verse 20, and they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord, your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and said, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. Yeah. So, okay, so they're going to go out to face this combined army in battle. They've got confidence in the Lord. The Lord's going to work this out for them. So they, they send the, the army in. But before the army, and catch what they did, they send a choir. They get a bunch of singers together to go in front of the army. Does that make any sense to you at all? They get the choir to go in front of the army. They're, they're totally, they're not, they don't have any armor. They're just dressed in holy attire. That's all we know. That's not armor. That's not what it is. They're going to go in front of the army and they're going to sing praise to God while they're going to face a massive army out there. That's what they're doing. And while they are praising God, while they are praising him, God manifests his presence in the form of confusion in the enemy camp. Yeah, chaos. And you've got one army attacking the two other armies and then the other army attacking them until all of them, to our knowledge, kill each other. 
they all turn on each other. Total confusion. We don't, I would love to know what that looked like. Cause I, I can't, I can't imagine exactly what that is. They all kill each other. And then the army of Judah goes there. If you read further, you find out it took them three days to collect all of the plunder that was left for them. That, that was the war. Let's go. We're going to go. We'll sing praise to the Lord. He wins the war. We go. We get the plunder. We go home. That, that's our war. That, that's what we do. Uh, it's a good war, right? Uh, that's all right. Okay. When we praise the Lord, he manifests his presence and he fights wars for us. He, he goes to battle for his people. The same principle is at work in like Joshua 6 when the, the army of Israel, they get to, Jer- to Jericho, right? They're going around the wall every day, right? They go around seven times last day. And at the end of that time, they're told to do what? They're told to raise up a shout to the Lord. You know that shout in the natural, like it didn't physically take the wall down, right? Like we understand, it's not like they shouted so loud that the wall came down, <laughs> right? We got that? That's important for us to know that. They raised up a shout and the Lord tore the wall down. He manifested his presence and the wall came down because of the confidence that they shouted out to God in. The Lord manifests his presence through his people's praise. And then you get to Acts 16. Paul and Silas are in jail in, in, in Philippi, right? They're in stocks in like the inner part of the jail. And you know, I think like they must have had these things in mind. They must have been thinking back to Second Chronicles 20. They must have been thinking back to Joshua 6. I, I think they were. Uh, that's just speculation. But in that point, in that place... They decide to do the thing that is, in the natural, the most ridiculous thing in the world. They decide to praise the Lord. So about midnight, they're singing songs of praise to God. And what happens? God manifests his presence. He causes an earthquake so that their chains fall off, so the doors swing open, so that they're free. When God's people praise him, he manifests his presence and he fights for them. And this still happens, you know, in our day and age too. I mean, uh, an account that I get fired up about um, that I've heard, heard a little bit about is, you guys know of a guy named Carlos Anacondia? Have you heard of this guy? He's like, like, like an intense Argentinian revivalist. And there are, there are stories of how, like, in these stadium meetings before that they've had in Argentina, the presence of God is so thick in those stadium meetings that people outside of the stadium are being set free from demon oppression. Like demonized people are being set free. They have no idea what's going on inside the stadium. They're just in the vicinity. They're just, they're just bystanders, right? That, that's it. And the presence of God is so thick that it moves in that way. And God's fighting even beyond the stadium for his people. How many of you would like to see that happen here? Would you like to see that happen? I would get fired up to see that happen here, you know? And like things like that, things like that are, I believe are going to happen at, at like Niagara. Like we're, we're believing for these types of things, right? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does these things, all right? When we praise the Lord, he manifests himself, his presence in those praises. And he fights for his people. His first thing. Second thing we see in scripture, where God manifests his presence he transforms people. He changes them. Let's turn to, uh, to 2 Corinthians 3. 
Second Corinthians three, look at verse seventeen. Second Corinthians three seventeen says this. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit where God manifests his presence People are transformed into his likeness. When people behold the Lord, when people see a glimpse of God, what naturally happens, what automatically will start to happen is people will become like God. You become what you behold. You become what you behold. All right? You know, every time you get into a praise setting, Every time you set your heart to praise the Lord, you become a little bit more like him every time, every time, every time you give yourself over to the praise of the Lord, he starts to, he changes you. He makes you more like himself from one, from glory to glory. It doesn't happen all at once, but over time he changes people. I was just talking with Haywan, I think last week we were talking about praise leading and different things like that. And we both agree that one of the, the greatest privileges of a praise leader is to watch people praise. I get to watch you all praise. <laughs> and, and it really blesses me. It, I can't tell you how much it blesses me, really. It blesses me a lot. And one of the things you notice as a praise leader is how people change when they're praising. Not just in one worship set or one time of worship, but over time. Over the weeks, over the months, you look at the same person, they're, they're giving themselves over to the praise of the Lord, and they're changing. They're changing. Because each time they're beholding the Lord, they become a little bit more like him. Another passage of scripture that, that enforces this as well, reinforces this, is out of 1 John. You can turn there quickly. 1 John 3. First John three, verse two says, beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has, has not yet been, has, sorry, has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Someday we are going to be like Jesus. God is conforming us right now to his image. And when we see him, when we're in that place, when there is nothing standing between Jesus and us, and we're like physically with him, we're going to be, that's the, the rest of the transformation is going to happen at that point. When we see him, we're going to be like him because we see him as he is. Beholding is becoming. All right, that's the second part of this manifestation of God's presence, what that accomplishes in our lives. The third one is that where God manifests his presence, darkness is driven away. 
where God manifests his presence, darkness is driven away. I mean, this, there, it's very similar to the first one that we talked about, God fighting for us, a little bit different at the same time. Darkness is driven away. Turn to John, the Gospel of John. First chapter of the Gospel of John. John 1, look at verse 4. This is about Jesus. John's writing, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome this light. It's a general principle that when darkness and light, when they meet, light will win every time. You, you, we, we see this every day. This is an everyday illustration for us. If this room is completely pitch black dark and I turn on one light, light will flood this place and darkness will flee. That's, what's hap- that's what happens every time. No exceptions. You get a small little candle in a pitch black room, it makes a lot of light still. It's just small light. Light always wins out over darkness. And God intends for us to learn a very important spiritual principle through this. That wherever God is, wherever God manifests his presence, because he is light, he dispels the darkness. It's gone. Where God manifests his presence, there is no room for darkness. And in our lives, darkness takes all sorts of forms. Okay, all sorts of fruit of darkness in our lives. Things like depression. That's darkness. Things like discouragement. Fear. Hopelessness. All these fruits of darkness that have a hold on our lives or enter into our lives at certain points. And when God manifests his presence... When we set our hearts to praise him, there's no room for that anymore. There, there just isn't. There's no room for sin where God manifests his presence. Do you realize that? When you set your heart on praising the Lord, it will be very, very difficult for you to sin. I don't encourage you to try. It's just... It it just doesn't happen because you're so taken up with the Lord. Your eyes are fixed on his beauty. He's manifesting his presence. His light is flooding you. And there's no, there's no temptation to sin at that point. You just, you don't even want to, you know, the people who are in his presence, they're, they're not tempted to sin. You think of the, the living creatures, the four living creatures around the throne of God who are there right now crying out his holiness. Do you think they're tempted to sin? Do you think that ever that thought ever enters their mind? It just doesn't because God's manifest presence is there and God is light. And when there is light, there is no darkness. Darkness is cast from you. I learned this, uh, this principle pretty strongly a few years ago. Uh, a few years ago, I made my first trip into 
the Tibetan region of China. I've gone there a few times. Some of you know that. And, um, and before the trip, I, I won't say much about this because it's, um, I was asked to bring sensitive materials into China. Uh, and because of this podcast, I won't give details about it too much. But an elder of a former church of mine uh, found out I was going to go into China, into the, these Tibetan regions. And he calls me up and he says, John, I have this material for you to bring into China. I hear you, you're, you're going to go soon. C- can you bring it? And, uh, and because he asked me so casually, I was a bit confused because it was, it was completely illegal what he was asking me to do. And, uh, and I asked him, like, that, that, that is... That is illegal, right? He's, he's, of course it's illegal, but, but, will, but will you do it, you know? And uh, I'm going to step out of stage here for a second. And, um, and so I had, to, I had to think through that. That was, not, that was totally not part of the plans for this trip at all. Uh, so I had to get my team together, and we discussed it, and we prayed into it, and we, uh, we felt that God was giving us the green light and saying, yes, I want you to do this, so go do this. Yeah, lawbreaker. And... Uh, and so we did. We got this sensitive material, and we hid it in our luggage as well as we could. We prayed over it. We entrusted it to the Lord, and, uh, and we set off for China. And, and I had never done anything like this before. And, uh, and when, we got to, when we got to Beijing, to the, to the old airport there, um, we were doing pretty well. I think we were all we were, you know, fairly confident the Lord has put us on this mission, like he's given us this to do. He's given us confidence that he's, he's with us in this. And, and so we were okay. And I, I was okay until I got into Beijing International. And we were about to go through, through customs. And we had all our stuff on us. And, and these fears started to creep inside of me. And a lot of uncertainty. Like, all sorts of things could really go wrong right now. Like... <laughs> And, and because, because I'm, I'm a Canadian, I, I knew they probably wouldn't throw me in jail. That, that, that probably wouldn't happen, but, but what they would do, uh, and it does happen to people when these sorts of things happen, but what they probably would do is they would confiscate all the stuff, they would know what it looks like, so they would know what to look for in the future, and the missionary context that we have would be compromised, and it would be a big deal, and we'd be deported out of the country. And so it was a pretty significant thing. And I was starting to get a bit afraid. There, there was fear building up in me. And in this place of fear, I felt the Lord whisper to me. He said, John, praise me. I'm like, what? Pr- praise you? And he said, yeah, John, John, just, just start praising me. So I'm in the airport walking through. I got my luggage, and I'm just starting to praise him under my breath. You know, in, when you're in China, like, you don't want to be, you know, full out praising the Lord with your loudest voice because you get picked up on that. But I just started praising the Lord with, with, with kind of a quiet voice. And uh, I was just singing, what was I singing? Some song. I just started singing a simple song of praise to God. I did it for about five minutes, maybe ten minutes, as I was getting closer to, to where we were going to go through immigration. And God started to flood me with his peace. And it was like the fear just started, to, it kind of started to fall off of me. And, and peace started to fill me. And joy started to fill me as I was praising Lord because I was, I was fixing my eyes on who he is and his sufficiency. And his, he was starting to manifest his presence in and around me as I was praising him. To the point where I had this, like, this big grin on my face as I was going through immigration. The guy must have thought I was nuts. But I was, I was serious. I was so happy and joyful in the presence of the Lord in that place of praise. Because he was manifesting his presence. 
and the light of his presence was dispelling the darkness that had come into me. And that's just just a, a simple principle of praise. That's just what happens when we set our hearts on praising the Lord. There is no room. I, it is very difficult for you to be fearful when you're praising the Lord, depressed when you're praising the Lord, hopeless when you're praising the Lord. Naturally, it's just, it's just taken away from you, right? When we praise the Lord, he manifests his presence. And where he manifests his presence, he casts the darkness away from us. And that's his call to us in this place tonight. Not just to be people who get together on Friday nights and on Sundays to praise him there together. And that's, that's really good. And God does an amazing, mighty work in those places at those times. But he's calling us to be a people of praise, to have a lifestyle of praise, to praise the Lord in our apartments, to praise the Lord in the bus, to praise the Lord on the streets, to be a people of praise because God hasn't changed. Our praise of him does not depend on our circumstances, to praise him in difficult times as well as good times, to praise him when we're sick, to praise him when we're healthy because God's doing a work in that time, in that place, and he has not changed, right? Praise the Lord in your apartment, even if it annoys your roommate. Pastor Marcus does not mind praising the Lord in our apartment. And it doesn't annoy me. But like he's, he, he's totally free. I'm just going to praise the Lord. I, I'm just going to praise the Lord. And God manifests and it blesses me because he manifests his presence in our apartment. Our, pro, our apartment is filled with the aroma of the Lord in those places at those times. Thank you, Marcus. I'll thank you publicly. Appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Good. Roommate love we have going here. Uh, Yes. Um, so that's a principle. Yes. Are you going to edit that? Thank you. Edit that later. Um, that's a principle that God wants all of us to learn from and, and to grow in on a daily basis. And, and one more thing. I wasn't really planning to say this, but uh, something that we, we just learned in, in our Greek class, Pastor Myungwa, Pastor Marcus, and myself, um, we've been studying deeply into the book of Colossians in the Greek. It's been great. And, uh, we just went through Colossians three and one of the passages in Colossians three, uh, Paul talks there about singing Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, like three different kinds of songs. And Paul says the same thing in Ephesians five to the, the people of Ephesus there, Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's, that's supposed to be like part of their life, part of their lifestyle is just to sing. And psalms and, and hymns, uh, those are generally uh, understood as, as different kinds of written songs. But the spiritual songs, the, the g- most common understanding of this is spontaneous songs, to sing spontaneously to the Lord. And I had heard different charismatic preachers talk about that. And so I thought, well, maybe that's just like, you know, I'm not totally sure on the understanding. Maybe there's, there, there's a lot of disagreement, but our professor is actually, he's like a Harvard trained, more conservative kind of teacher. And he said the same thing. He said, this is the, the, the understanding of this, this word. This is, these are most likely spontaneous songs. Just singing to the Lord, whatever comes to your mind, whatever comes to your heart, sing it out. You don't need to be a great musician 
or a great vocalist to sing spontaneously to the Lord. It's just the overflow, the outflow of your heart of love for God. That's all it is. If it sounds terrible, who cares? Really. Uh, a guy who... Uh, Mike Bickle from IHOP, he, he teaches on this sort of thing. He sees like a ton of value in this, and I really appreciate his teachings. Mike Bickle can't sing very well. He, he really can't. And, and like I've heard teaching on, on this where he, he demonstrates for us, you know? He demonstrates, this is, this is how you sing spontaneously to the Lord, and it sounds terrible, and he doesn't care because he's singing to the Lord. I'm going to sing my heart out to the Lord. It doesn't matter what I sound like, Right? So I release all you. Be free. Be free to sing to the Lord no matter who says what about your voice. Right? Sing spontaneously. It's just the overflow, the outflow of a heart of love for God. And as we grow into this culture of praising him, he will manifest his presence among us. And he will fight for us. And he will... He will drive out darkness from us and he'll transform us. These things are going to start happening among us. And you know, sometimes, like, I think about who I'm talking to right now. And New Philly Church, I mean, some of you, this might have been your only church and you don't get a lot of experiences in other churches. New Philly understands praise better than a lot of other places. Really. The times of praise we have here are phenomenal times of praise. Phenomenal times of praise. I'm so blessed to be a part of this community of people who come to church ready to praise the Lord, knowing why we're here and just going for it. It blesses me and it blesses everyone who comes, whether they realize it or not. And sometimes, and I wonder a bit, like, is it really necessary for me to teach on this? Do we already get it? Are we already there? I feel God speaking to me. You know, to whom... To him who has, more will be given. That's a biblical principle. To him who has, more will be given. I believe that we have something at New Philly in that way. And that God desires to give us more. God desires to press us into more. God is not satisfied where we're at in the place of praise. We have not arrived anywhere. God's heart is always for increase, always for growth. And God, the places God intends to bring us in praise, now we don't even know. We don't even know what God the dreams of God's heart for us are in that regard. But he is calling us to press in more, to continue to grow into revelation of who he is and what he's done and respond in a manner worthy of who he is and what he's done. To keep growing stronger and hotter in praise, not just on Sundays, not just on Fridays, but throughout the week, that we would be a people of praise, a people who live a life of praise unto God because he is worthy of all praise at all times. So that's my encouragement for us tonight. Let's, let's take some time to pray. Father, we praise you and we thank you that you are a God who does not change like shifting shadows, Lord. You are perfectly glorious. You are perfectly wonderful. You are perfectly beautiful. You are perfectly marvelous, God. And we have only seen a small fraction, Father, of your beauty and your glory, God. But you are calling us to more, God. And we desire more, Lord. Would you continue, Lord, to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and to a knowledge of you. Open the eyes of our hearts that we would see, God. That we would see you, God. That our hearts would be filled with love and longing for you, God. 
And that out of the overflow of that longing and love, God, praise would arise like sweet-smelling incense to your throne, God. Take us higher, take us further, take us deeper, Lord. That you would manifest your presence in stronger and brighter ways among us. Take us more, Lord. Lead us into more, God. Further on, further up, further in, God. More, we desire God. And we know that you desire God. So yes, God, would you do that, God? Would you do that? Accomplish that among us, God. Establish us further, Father, as a people of praise, God. Further and further. That we would not grow content in our hearts with where we're at, God. But that we would move further and further into your heart, God. In praise, God. Oh, Lord, transform us, God. And use us and fight for us, God. Cast out the darkness, God, that we'd be filled with light, God, and filled with joy in your presence, God. Yes, God. Yes, Father. We love you, God. We love you, God. Oh, you are such a wise God, Lord. Yes, you are so wise, Lord. Yes, something as enjoyable as praise you give us, Lord, to change us in, God. Yes, the enjoyment we get, the enjoyment you get, and the change that comes as a result, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We give ourselves fully to your praise, God. Teach us to praise you on a daily basis, God. Not because of our circumstances, Father, but because of who you are, God. And what you have done, Father. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. We praise you, God. We ask these things all in Jesus' name. Amen.